if you'll notice, uh, there's no sermon outline in the bulletin today. And um, there's a reason for that, because this is not the typical sermon as I would normally give one. But it is something I want you to listen to and hopefully uh, get some help and some information from as it is given. And I hope it helps you as it's helped me putting this together. And we'll look at a few passages of scripture, and I'll explain as we go along, okay? Uh, first, I'd like you to look at Luke chapter number 3. Luke chapter number 3. And I always like to try to borrow your imagination as we... I want to explain scripture and, and be as clear as I can and hopefully get you to see something that maybe you hadn't seen before and maybe see it the way that I see it. But Luke chapter 3, and let's look at uh, verses 21 through 23, okay? All right, you ready? It says in verse 21, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was open, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven, which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. And I want you to notice verse uh, 23 here. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. All right, you see that? Now what we find here is the baptism of Jesus. Okay, this is in Luke's account of the gospel, right? And do you see how old Jesus was when this happened? Do you see that? Verse 23, how old was Jesus? About 30 years old. Okay? And so that's where we get, when we put the pieces of the puzzle together, that Jesus began his earthly ministry when he was 30 years old. Right? Because when you read after this, you know what you're going to find out? He's going to call disciples. He's going to start a church. And the thing about Jesus' ministry didn't last but basically three and a half years. Pretty interesting, isn't it? The Son of God. But his public ministry only lasted about three and a half years. Okay? He was 30 years old when he got baptized. He was already the Son of God, by the way. He didn't have to get baptized to be the Son of God. He was already the Son of God. But he followed through, he gave a public example, and he began his ministry at 30 years of age. And I'm going somewhere with this, okay? Now look with me in, in uh, John, the Gospel of John. And when you find the Gospel of John, look at chapter number 2. And look with me in verses 9 through 11. I, I'm, I'm taking you somewhere with this, okay? Because you got Matthew's account, you got Mark's account, you got Luke's account, and you have John's account, and you're going to—they give the life of Christ. Okay, there's details in one that may not be in the other. Okay, but you can follow the sequence of events. So this is right after. Okay, uh, Jesus—he's been baptized. Uh, the Spirit has come upon him. Remember that. Jesus, uh, God said, "This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased." Remember that. Okay, and then. Uh, we look over here, verses 9 uh, through uh, 11. In 
in John chapter 2. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. And then look at verse 11. This beginning of miracles, Jesus did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. So if we put a picture and a timeline together, okay, Jesus was already the Son of God, sent to earth. Remember, he was born stable in Bethlehem. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And at the age of 30 years old, okay, he began what we would call his public ministry. Now, he had already done some things, by the way. I mean, I've read in, in, in the Gospels when he was 12 years old, he was sitting in the temple teaching the doctors and lawyers. That's pretty amazing in itself. But this right here, do you see what I see? Verse number 11 of John chapter 2, this, this is the beginning of miracles. Jesus is 30 years old. Here's the very first miracle that he ever performed. Preacher, what in the world are you talking about? Where are you going with this? I'm glad you asked that question. Okay, here's what I want you to think about. What about the previous years? The people that Jesus walked by that were blind that he didn't touch. Uh, the people that were crippled that he didn't touch. Because this is the beginning of miracles when he was 30 years old. That tells me there had to be a lot of people that he passed by that needed healing. That needed a touch in their life. But yet, it wasn't time for that to happen. If I had a title, this, this is going to be a different type of sermon. I know what time it is, okay? I get hungry just like everybody else. Y'all hang on. But you ever had the question like, Jesus, why don't you fix this? Or, or why didn't you fix this? Am I the only human person in here? I mean, you got problems in your life. You got issues in your life. And you know the one that can fix it. And you, you might sometimes have that human part about you that says, Jesus, why in the world? Why would you let this happen? Or, or why didn't you fix this? Because we know you have the power to fix it, right? He can fix anything. I mean, we're serving a God who created the heaven and earth. Spoke the world into existence. As a matter of fact, he said, let there be light and it will sow. You know? He's got the power to fix things. And in my human reasoning, I try to think of, okay, why, why would God not fix this? I start thinking about, you know, the story of Lazarus. That's a good story, right? Um, they sent for Jesus to come heal him. Remember that? He was laying on a deathbed, sick unto death. And Jesus didn't show up. I mean, he didn't come when they wanted him to. Y'all know the story, right? I mean, Lazarus had died and was put in the grave. And here comes Jesus four days later. And we're not talking about him going to a stranger. He was going to friends. He was going to people that he loved. People that loved him. But yet, he didn't come when they, when they wanted him to. What, Jesus, why didn't you fix this? And, and then we know that story, right? Okay, well, what would have been the greater miracle? 
him healing the sick man or him bringing the dead man back to life? We know the greater miracle, don't we? A dead man coming back to life is a greater miracle than a sick person being made well. Don't you agree with that? I mean, I'm not, y'all with me today? I mean, goodness, I like, uh, when I'm sick, I like being able to feel better. But good, I mean, bringing a dead man back to life, woo, that's a great miracle. But I don't, that's not what we're looking at today. This is something totally different. We're looking at people that Jesus walked by that never went back to. We're looking at people that needed something, but yet it wasn't time for them to get what they needed. There's a passage of scripture that I want to take you to this morning that based on everything we just read that I think fits in here pretty well. Remember how old was Jesus when he got baptized and began his public ministry? 30 years old, what the Bible says. That tells me. And then right after that, remember the, the wedding of Cana? He turned the water into wine. That was the beginning of miracles. That was the first miracle. His first miracle wasn't making blind eyes to see. His first miracle wasn't making crippled people able to walk. His first miracle wasn't raising the dead. It was turning water into wine. That's the first miracle. And that tells me all those years prior, there were people who had needs. There were people who had issues of life. There were people that need things to be fixed. But he didn't fix them. Have you ever had things in your life that you wish the Lord would fix? Come on now. Thank you. Somebody said amen over there. Come on. Help me out. Help me out. Have you ever had things in your life, and maybe even right now, that you wished the Lord would fix? Please help me not be the only human person here today. I would think if we would all be honest, whatever that area of life is, and I know those areas pretty well, uh, whether it's financial, could we use a touch financially today? Could we really? Uh, maybe maybe there's, there's some emotional issues. Uh, maybe there's some physical issues health-wise that you really need a touch from the Lord. But whatever reason, for, for whatever reason and reasoning, right now you're not, you're not getting that touch. I want to show you something as I was thinking about this, and really this past week, just thinking about things. There's a story that I remember that I've read in Acts chapter number 3. Would you look there with me in Acts chapter number 3? And let's read a few verses together, and we're going to put this together and close it up. Acts chapter number 3. Look with me. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. And I love, the, I love the story, by the way, but I want to show you something I never really thought about before. In Acts chapter 3, follow with me in this story. Verse number 1. And now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who Peter, who, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up, 
And, and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Now, that, this is a wonderful story. And I read this, and, and I like, you know, of course, I'm reading out the King James Version of the Bible, and, but, but I like how descriptive it is. I mean, it's letting us know, you know, that it's ankle bones, you know. Uh, I, I'm at a point in my life, I sit too long, I better not just try to hop up out of the chair. I got to slowly get up. Because if I go to hop up, something may not work. That's <laughs> not good if it don't work. Because then I find myself on the ground. That has happened before. But do you see what the Bible said? His ankle bones, you see that? His feet and ankle bones receive strength. And then, you know, I'm talking about, you know, you know bad heel, bulging disc, arthritis. And I, but, you know, and I have to slowly get up. The Bible says this man who'd been lame from birth, he leaped up. You see that? Leaping stood up. I mean, he didn't just slowly get up. He jumped up to his feet. And he didn't just, I mean, you know, <laughs> sometimes I had to take a few steps just to make sure everything's working. But, I mean, this guy takes off walking and leaping and praising God. Can you just, can you, I mean, isn't that a wonderful thing? Now, we're talking about a guy who's a beggar. And, and they, you know, where did they have him laid at? The temple gate. You know, here just a few weeks ago, we had somebody come after church. They need something to eat, you know. And, uh, well, matter of fact, the day we had, the last time we had the potluck, I believe it was, and, and, and folks showed up needing something to eat. You know what I did? I took them over to the church over in fellowship hall, tried to find them something to eat, you know. Uh, people know where to go when they, they know where to go when they need something. That's my point. But this guy's laying there at the temple gate. He knows there's going to be. Let's just say Christian people. You know there's going to be religious people coming in to pray. And he's, he's basically begging, right? Hoping that somebody will give him something. Peter and John says, hey, we don't have any money to give you ourselves, but we've got something we can give you. And it was in the name of Jesus Christ. That you see him. Now, isn't that a wonderful story? I always love this story. There's so much to learn. I think about the healing that took place. I think about that man being receptive because, you know what Peter said? You know, they look and say, hey, look at us. we got something to tell you. A lot of times if you talk to somebody they're not looking at you, they don't know what you're saying. He said, look at us. we got something to tell you. Right? Did y'all see that? So I like this little description that the Bible gives us. Hey, look, look, we got something to tell you. Pay attention to us. I like that. But here's something. I, I, I think about... God has done a lot for us in our life, and we ought to leap for joy, and we ought to praise him, and we ought to have that testimony that others can see uh, about us. Man, God is blessed. I don't know about you, but even on my worst day, I'm still blessed by God. Amen. On my worst day, I know I'm blessed. But think about this. With everything we just mentioned from the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of John, Jesus being 30 years old before he began his public ministry, did the first miracle, the years prior to that, all the people that needed a touch. I want you to think about something in this story. This man, the Bible tells us here, that he had been lame from his mother's womb. This man's whole life, he was an invalid. He was crippled. You know what that tells me? 
that this same man would have been laying at the gate during the time of Jesus. I mean, we're not, Acts happens, Acts is a continuation, okay? Luke wrote the book of Acts, okay? I mean, Jesus is in the book of Acts, by the way. This man who had laid at that gate, this is the temple that Jesus had went into. Uh, th this man would have been lame during, during the time of the ministry. Are you following me? Not before the 30 years, but during that 30 year, that three year period, this man would have been laying at that gate, at the temple. Am I making sense to anybody today? And every day for years, this man's friend or friends had brought him and laid him at that beautiful gate. If he was there every day, ask yourself the question, would Jesus have seen this man if this man would have been there every day? Now, I don't know all the details. I mean, it's possible that Jesus never saw the man. That's possible. He could have missed him along the time period of wherever they, whenever the, the guy showed up and whatever time Jesus would have came by. He could have missed him because of the sequence of events. Could have, right? We don't know. Maybe the Savior saw the man and, and realized that yet this man wasn't ready to receive the gospel. Because if you look at the healings that Jesus gave, he was wanting to make people whole. Not physically. That was a byproduct, but he wanted to make people spiritually whole. He wanted them to have faith to believe on him. Maybe, maybe he knew this man wasn't ready for that. I don't know. Maybe Jesus saw this man and thought, well, I better leave somebody for my disciples to heal once I'm gone. Is that a possibility? Well, we know it happened, right? Maybe Jesus has saw the man and said, well, not right now. Maybe in his foreknowledge, he said, Peter and John's going to take care of this one. And they're going to do it in my name. Maybe. I read... I mean, I'm just being presumptive on a lot of that, and I have no idea what Jesus was thinking, or even if he ever saw the man, I just know that if this man was lame from his birth and he'd been laid at that gate every day, he would have been there during the time period of Jesus. I know that, okay? You read some parts of the Gospels, and it sounds like Jesus healed everybody, everywhere he went, that he healed people, okay? Uh, you, and I didn't throw these verses in for the, the screen, but like you can read Matthew chapter 9, and it'll tell you that everywhere Jesus went, uh, all about the cities and villages, uh, he healed people, he preached the gospel, uh, healing every sickness and disease. I mean, what Matthew 9 tells us, he healed every sickness and disease, that's a lot of healing. Uh, but sometimes, think of this, he would come to his hometown, Nazareth, like if you read Mark chapter number 6, and he couldn't do anything there in his hometown because they only saw him as a carpenter, and they could not fathom the possibility that he was the Messiah. So therefore, they wouldn't have faith in him for him to do the work that he needed to do. Matter of fact, Mark chapter 6, verse number 5 says, he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. Isn't that amazing? So was Jesus incapacitated by people's lack of belief, their lack of faith? Could, could a son of God be subject to mortal man's material mindness? Well, of course not. Jesus, he don't have to be subject to man. He came to heal the sick, among other things. But I believe that he, he, he could have done mighty works there. He could have, just as he could have called 10,000 angels uh, when he was on the cross. He could have. 
But I always believe on everything we read that Jesus never acted without instructions from his father. He never took matters in his own hand. He always had the prayer and the philosophy of life, not my will, but thine be done. He did not perform those mighty works in Matthew or Mark because maybe God did not direct him to. That's where I'm getting into the meat of what we're talking about. Could have God, could, could, could have Jesus done great miracles in his own hometown? Absolutely. He could have. But God is omnipotent, always. Would it have been wise for him to heal people who would not have been receptive to his message? What do you think? What if he healed somebody who didn't believe he was the son of God? What good would that have done? You know, it's like people come to join a church and then you never see them again. What good does that do? Hey, don't just join a church just for the sake of joining the church. You know, uh, many times I direct people to visit us for a little while. I, you, I, I think somebody got upset with me one time and I told them, I was talking to one of our church people, I said, well, you know, they asked me about these people. And I said, well, I told them to visit a little while. You don't want somebody to join church and then you can't find them for six months. Visit. Become acquainted. So if Jesus would have healed somebody who didn't believe he was the son of God, what good would it have done? You know what good it would have done? They've been in that crowd that turned and walked away from him. In John chapter 6 that we talked about a few weeks ago. I think Jesus was obeying his own precept. Maybe not to cast pearls before the swine. Maybe. There's so much I could say, but I want to bring you back to this portion in Acts. I don't know all the circumstances surrounding the man's personal encounter with Jesus, if he had one or whatever. But I do know that he had an encounter with the healing power of Jesus because Peter and John. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So Jesus personally didn't give him the healing when he was there, but it was the power of Jesus that gave the healing afterwards. Are you with me? I, I wasn't there when Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I, I wasn't there 2,000 years ago when that happened, but I can sure receive the powerful benefits of what he did, Amen. the after effects of it. I, I, I think about all that, that took place there. It couldn't be just words. They couldn't just say, hey, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, that authority that was given, they had to prove the truth of who Jesus was. It couldn't be just words. And if you read the book of Acts, it'll give us accounts of healing by the early Christians and, and the power that was given. And, but why was this man at the temple gate and all the other people why were they finally receptive to the power of God? Why would that be? Why was it that maybe they didn't be receptive to it beforehand, but at this particular time they are? Can I tell you what I believe the answer is? I believe the answer is the resurrection. Because if these people knew who Jesus was before he died, and they didn't receive him, the fact now that he was alive after the resurrection and being seen of so many people, maybe people's faith got strengthened. Or maybe people who didn't have faith before 
received faith. Maybe that, resur that, that resurrection, when I read where it says that the veil of the temple was, was rent in twain from top to bottom, tearing back where we can go and have access to the Holy of Holies, Maybe whatever it was, mankind's sense of separation from God. Do you understand that that, that that which separated us from God, we've been given clear access to the Father now? There was a time where man did not have access to God, but now we do. Direct access because of Jesus Christ. The resurrection changes everything. So did Jesus choose not to heal someone? So he could be healed later by the disciples? I, I don't personally think so. I was just debating ideas in my head. Maybe he didn't heal them because they weren't ready for the blessing. Does God today ever choose not to heal someone? I don't necessarily think that's the example that gives us from the word of God. I believe God is always ready, willing, and has outstretched arms to heal us, to save us, to protect us, to guide us, to correct us, to love us, to teach us. But the question comes back to us. Are we ready to receive what he has in store for us? Now, I'm not, I told you this is a different type of sermon today. But I, I'm wondering, because it's going to come down to this, are we willing to forego our will and follow his will? If you can't bear the cross, you can't wear the crown. There's a crown for us to receive. Listen, it's easy to say we're willing to follow the Lord. Isn't it easy to say? I'd if I'd ask everybody in here right now to raise your hand, don't. But if I did, that you're willing to follow the Lord. That's easy to do. But when it comes down to what we are going to do, how easy is it? Jesus, why haven't you fixed things? Let me ask you, is it, is it because of us? Maybe our faith isn't where it needs to be. Maybe we're not blessable like we should be. Maybe we're not ready for God to do something. Maybe we need to resign our will fully and place our life in God's hand and say, God, use me. To be what you want me to be. Let's bow our heads if you would. We're going to have a verse of invitation. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I'm not going to drag this thing out. But I believe maybe there's somebody here today. That God has spoken to your heart. Maybe there's somebody here. You've been battling. You've been struggling. Maybe there's things in your life that need to be fixed. Maybe you prayed. Multiple times, maybe you cried out to God to fix this. Let's understand the wisdom of God goes beyond our wisdom. For 30 years, Jesus walked by people that he didn't heal. Are we at a point in our life now where we're ready to say, God, do this for me. I'm ready. Until we are ready. We'll never experience the blessings of God like we should. We'll never have a revival in our homes, in our lives, in our church like we should until we are ready to say, God, fix this for me. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the word that we have to teach and preach and study. And I pray that the sermon today 
came across as you wanted it to, and I pray it spoke to hearts. And I pray that if there's folks here today that need a touch from you, Lord, that they would come to you and receive that touch in their life. Bless this time of invitation, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand on our feet.